Oh, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Efficiency Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. This podcast is dedicated to all the women out there who are aspiring to have a career while raising a family. And bitch? Well, that's more than a name and even an attitude. (laughs) We use it as an acronym. It's for bank, inbox, time, connection, and harmony. Each episode is labeled according to the correct topic so that you can efficiently find the topic that you're looking for. I'm here to tell you, you can have your cake and eat it too. The trick is finding efficient ways to get through the have-tos so that you can make room for your best life. I can show you how. Let's get started. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. I am going to go solo today. I have an awesome story and experience that I want to share, and I have so many people asking me questions about it because I've been all over social media with it, and I just wanted to kind of give you the full scoop on the Be The Match bone marrow registry program that I was recently a part of and had a very successful stem cell transplant. Uh, I was the donor, and I sent my stem cells to a recipient who matched um, with me perfectly. So before we get started, I just want to say I'm not a doctor. I don't work for Be The Match. I'm going to kind of stumble my way through what I know of how this all works and, you know, go look it up yourself if you have more questions. I do want to say I hope you go and look up bethematch.org. Register if you can. Donate money if you can. Donate time. They are a nonprofit. um, And I had an awesome experience. So, from the top, about 10 years ago, uh, a friend of mine posted on Facebook that her brother was in need of a bone marrow transplant and, you know, asking all of her friends to register at Be The Match. So I did. And the process was really easy. I put my name and information on the website. They sent me a kit with, like, cotton swabs. I swabbed the inside of my cheek, put it back in the envelope, and sent it away. And that was it. I haven't heard from them in 10 years. And I guess I didn't expect to hear from them, but I kind of forgot about it. Um, and then last year, I got a phone call from them that I was a match for a patient. And they taught me everything I needed to know. They explained to me that there are two types of donations that be the match works with. And one is a bone marrow transplant, which is typically a drill, for lack of a better word, into your hip. There's general anesthesia. You know, there's some pain and some soreness around the incision site, and and it's successful, and it's, it's tried and true and been known for a long time. And then there's another process, which is stem cell transplant, and it's relatively new, like in the last 15 years. Um, and it is a Basically, they harvest the stem cells from your blood. Uh, they start by giving you an injection of a shot, a medicine called philglostrum. I'm, again, I'm not a doctor, so I may totally butcher the pronunciation. Anyhow, you, you do the injections. That drug um, increases the stem cells inside your body. And then you go and you're hooked up to a machine which pulls the blood from your body skims out the excess stem cells that 
your body's produced from these injections, and then you move on and the patient gets their stem cells. So the determination on which process they do completely depends upon the patient that you're matched with. Um, I believe that you can do um, stem cell donations to people who are you know, to just a stranger if there's no particular match. But from my understanding, they don't do it very often because there is a risk factor for donating. So you don't want to just put somebody in a risk situation for no reason, you know, without a specific recipient in mind. And um, storing the stem cells can be tricky sometimes. So from my understanding, they most of the time look for a match before they start the donation process. And what looked that looked like for me was a patient um, in the U.S. is what I was told. So this is an international organization. They do find matches all over the world. But my particular patient was a man, and in his 50s, he was in the U.S., and he was in need of a stem cell transplant. So they sent me, this was last year, they sent me another kit with the same cheek swabs asking me to, you know, re-swab. I did. They came back and said, you're a great match. Um, are you interested? And I said, sure, let's start the process. Well, they, the patient's medical team was still early on in the process and hadn't completely made their decisions. Um, so I was kind of put in a holding pattern, and then I didn't hear from anybody for a couple months. So I reached back out, and I said, what's going on? And they said, the patient's um, status has changed. You know, we'll get back to you. So I kind of assumed the worst, to be honest. Um, you know, with HIPAA stuff, they won't tell you what everybody's going through. But I assumed that the worst had happened, and so kind of closed that chapter um, mentally. And then... At the end of June 2022, I received a phone call that said, same patient, I am now, they are ready to do the transplant, and am I still interested? And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. They said, okay, great, you're the backup donor. If anything happens to the primary, it's on you, and away we go, right? I was like, okay, no problem. Um, but I didn't think anything was going to come of it because I figured the primary donor would continue on. Well, the primary donor um, had to back out. I don't know why. It could have been COVID because COVID's everywhere right now. Um, could have been a personal reason. Could have been, you know, something came up in their physical. Um, could have been anything. But suddenly um, I was told I was the primary donor and are you ready to move? So less than 30 days from that phone call, I was able to donate. Um, the process for me was incredible. The medical team, the coordinator team, the travel team at Be The Match was absolutely out of this world. I didn't lift a finger. Um, they took care of scheduling everything for me. It was really informative. I learned a lot. Um, I also have a lot of appreciation for what... Um, patients are going through on the other side waiting for a match. So from my understanding with the match, it's not a blood match. So my blood type and the patient's blood type may or may not match, but it is more about the genetic code 
on, I believe it's the HLA genetic code, and they look for these markers. You get half your genetic code from each of your parents. Um, the likelihood of finding a match is best with your full-blooded siblings, but even with full-blooded siblings, you don't always have a match. So they go to this donor registry, and they have all these people in there, and then they go through and find somebody who has the same markers. Um, this person had two people who were a great match for him, and um, which is crazy to me that there's two other people with my genetic code. <laughs> and uh, I ended up being the primary. So totally wild. Um, it started off with a medical check on me. They paid for me to go to an urgent care facility where they did a full physical on me, top to bottom, like tons of blood work. Uh, they checked everything to make sure I was okay. They called me actually um, halfway into that week and said, you know, one of your markers came, um, came back a little high. We'd like to do another test. They did the other test. Everything was cleared. Um, then they had me do three pregnancy tests. Um, I'm not using my uterus anymore. There's no way I'm pregnant. But because I have a uterus, they made me do a uh, pregnancy test three separate times. And then I finally went into the philglostrum injection. So the first injection, I went to a facility um, near my home. I got one shot in each arm. And they had me sit there for 30 minutes while we waited to make sure that I handled the shot well. I did. And I went home for the day. Everything felt totally normal. I can say I, I had some anxiety that day. Um, I was like really amped up after I got the shot and like cleaned my whole closet. And that was just nervous energy. Um, the very next day, they sent a nurse to my home to give me the same shots. And I felt good that day too. I did notice um, small like bumps. Like I dropped my water bottle on my foot and my bone hurt a little bit more than it should have based on what I had done, um, but no big deal. And then the nurse came to my home on day three. I was definitely starting to feel um, a little discomfort. And I, and I mean discomfort, like not pain on the third day. I was tired um, and my bones were like not in pain the whole time, but I would kind of go through these waves of pain in my sternum and in my lower back and my hips. Um, if you've had a baby, you know what contractions feel like, how they kind of come in a wave and then they peak and then they go away. That's what it felt like um, in my sternum and my hips. Very strange. You know, the pain felt like a contraction. It lasted for, um, I don't know, maybe five or six seconds and then it went away. Super manageable. I did take Tylenol um, that day, but it wasn't anything that Tylenol couldn't take care of. Then the fourth day, they sent the nurse to my home again, and that day I was a little bit more achy, definitely stiff, like I was walking really slow because my bones just were kind of heavy feeling. Um, and what was happening is that phlogostrum was increasing the stem cells in my bone marrow, which was more than I needed. It was excess. So my bones were kind of swollen, if you will, like full of extra things. And that's what I was feeling. Um, and that's what they wanted me to feel. So they did tell me that that was a good sign if I was feeling those things. And I was, but it, very manageable. 
I did have a mild sore throat through the process, also something they told me, um, and some like super, super minor nausea once in a while and uh, a mild headache that, again, was totally fine with Tylenol. Um, And then on the fourth day, they flew me to a medical facility about three hours away from my home. Um, They sent my mom with me, so they asked that I bring a person to come with me. My husband stayed with the kids. My mom came with me and um, they flew her. They flew me. They took care of our hotel room for two nights. They asked if I wanted to stay longer. Um, I didn't because my kids were starting school that week, but they did ask if I wanted to stay days longer on either side, you know, to recover or to get the shots. Um, It wasn't something I was into, but I know that they would have done that. They gave me a per diem for food, um, so I just, you know, paid for the food myself, and then they reimbursed me. And then when I had my um, blood draws and the shots and the physical, I never never presented my insurance card, never paid a dime. That was all completely taken care of by them. I never saw a bill. I never saw the paperwork. Um, same thing with the hotel and the flight. It didn't go on my credit card. They took care of all of it. They even sent me a... Um, a link for Lyft so that I could get a ride to the airport, um, to the clinic and those things without having to put any money forward. And then they paid for a really nice town car to pick us up at the airport and drop us off um, at the location. So that got us to the end of the fourth day. Then on the fifth day was the donation day. Um, I showed up at the facility at 7 a.m. Really beautiful facility. It was a Be The Match branded facility, so it wasn't like an urgent care or anything. It was a Be The Match center, um, really nice lobby, super pretty, super clean. They served us breakfast. Um, we, I was the only patient there. I was the only donor for the day. They said sometimes they get a couple more, up to four total at that center, but um, I was alone. So it was me and my mom, and then I had two nurses and a physician and um, my own little room, And my nurse was amazing. He took super good care of me. Um, We were together for almost nine hours that day. So I checked in at 7 a.m. They gave me my fifth final shot of the philglostrum. And then they did a blood draw to do the lab work right then and there at the facility. And they used that to check my white blood cell count, you know, my platelet count, my red blood cell count, and then, of course, the stem cell count. So they wanted to know all those numbers going in. We went and we had breakfast there um, at the facility, and then I went back um, to get all hooked up. So the hookup process, they took an IV in one of my arms, and then they were going to put a um, steel needle, I think he called it, um, in my other arm. And that needle was supposed to pull the blood from my body and put it into this machine where they were going to harvest the stem cells. However, my veins wouldn't take the steel needle, so they used two IVs. So I had one IV in each arm, and um, I wasn't able to move my arms, like, almost at all. My hand, my elbows were completely extended for the duration of the period. Um, I did start to get some cramping in my right arm, you know, periodically throughout the day, but again pretty minor considering. Um, They took the machine, took my blood, and it spun it really fast. 
And I'm going to use all technical terms here, of course, because, you know, my medical degree and everything. But <laughs> um, so they spun the blood. It's separated into plasma and then to white blood cell count, or white blood cell and then red blood cells. And then there was like these tubes on top of the reservoir where it collected and separated. And one of those tubes barely touched the top layer of the red blood cells, which apparently is where stem cells live. So they used that little tube to suck up that little tiny layer of of the red blood cells and the stem cells into a bag. And then they took the rest of that contents and mixed it all back up, put it in a little heater so that my blood wasn't cold, and pumped it back into my arm on the other side. Super crazy. Um, they told me I have about... I have about five liters of blood in my body, and that machine filtered 15 liters of blood that day. So all of my blood three times. Now, I didn't feel it. Um, I felt the needles, but I didn't feel my blood moving or, like, I had no impact there. They, um, let's see what else. My mom had to feed me. <laughs> I didn't, um, I wasn't super hungry, but she did have to feed me, um, because I couldn't use my arms, and then she had to help me with a drink. Um, I did have to go potty twice, um, so they brought, like, a little commode into the room. Um, I, they put braces on my arms so that I wouldn't hurt the needles or whatever, and then I just kind of had to adjust myself. They closed the door. Um, pretty pretty non-eventful there, but still, like, great that I didn't have to hold it all day, because I would have been a big baby about that. <laughs> Um, and then the process with the needles took about seven hours. So it was a long day. Um, one of the things I thought was really cool was at the beginning of the day when they took my blood draw and they counted, right, the plasma and the, and the, um, stem cells, they were able to do math based on how many stem cells the patient needed, which was 428 million. And then the, um, amount of stem cells in my blood, which was very high. The philglostrum worked great on me, so I had a ton. But because I had two IVs in and didn't have that steel needle, it was pumping slower than it would have otherwise. So they knew within the first 30 minutes of me being there how long I was going to be there. Like the machine told them, you know, what it would be. So originally it said I'd be done at 3.30, and then they were able to get going a little faster as um, the day progressed. And so I ended up being done at 3 o'clock, like on the dot. I think it was like 3.04. Um, but the machine knew exactly what it needed. Um, and then the nurse, like, was at my beck and call. He took care of everything. They had, like, a TV in the room with all of the streaming abilities you could ever imagine. They had a Switch in there for Nintendo. Um, I couldn't text or do anything like my husband would call and I could like FaceTime him because I could hold it far away but I couldn't text um so it's pretty crazy and then uh at the end whenever the bag filled up and they got all the stem cells that they needed they redid my blood draw again right then and there and unhooked me from the machine um I was able to get something to eat and drink again and then I kind of stood in the lobby and they gave me like the rundown of what to do, what not to do. Um, they gave me a t-shirt and a water bottle and a blanket and, you know, all this like really cute swag for be the match donor. Um, they have like a little ceremony that they had me do. Um, 
to, you know, note that I had been there, have me put my pin in a map from where I lived, things like this just kind of make you feel bonded into the process. Um, And then the doctor came out and he read my blood work to me and told me my my white blood cells were very high, which is a direct relation to the stem cells. Like when they increase your stem cell, your white blood cell count also increases. So um, because my body did so well in the phlogastrum, it was normal that my white blood cell count was high. And he said, I'd be tired for a couple days because of the white blood cell count. Um, my platelets were very, were, were not very low, but they were a little low. So I needed to be careful not to get hurt for the next, um, you know, week to 10 days, like don't get cut accidentally. So, you know, no rugby, he said, no wild um, hiking, which I don't do that anyway. (laughs) Um, So that was like nothing. Um, I got back to the hotel room that night. I fell asleep pretty early. So did my mom. We were both pretty like emotionally exhausted, Um, but in a great way. Like it was a really fulfilling day, but also a day of, you know, being being in a medical room, um, went to bed super early, got up the next morning and I was still really tired. I slept until about 1130. So I think I slept like 15 or 16 hours the next day. And when I woke up, I felt fine. Um, I got dressed and went to the airport and was home on the sixth day. So super fast. Um, they've called and checked in on me multiple times since to make sure that I'm feeling well, um, which I am. They are going to continue to call me for the next six months. So I think they call me every week for the first four weeks, and then they call me every month after that for six months just to make sure I'm feeling well. And then they will give me updates on the patient. Um, I don't know anything about the patient. I don't know, you know, his details, but they will, you know, let me, they did let me know that he received the transplant. They'll let me know how he does over the next couple months. And then at the 12-month mark, they will allow us to exchange information. And if we both want to, then we can, and we can communicate or meet or whatever we feel like we want to do. So I will totally say yes, but, you know, if he doesn't want to meet me, no harm, no foul. Um, Really cool experience. So I wanted to do the podcast. I've shared it on my social media pages. I just, I hope you hear this. You know that Be The Match is an organization. You... Go to be the match.org, register if you can. You have to be under 40 or 40 and under, maybe, to put your cheek swab in the database. But I'm over 40 and I donor I donated. So I know that you can over 40, but I think they try to keep the registry from like 18 to 40. And then from my understanding, you can donate until you're like 60. Um but stem cells are healthier the younger you are. So that's part of the reason that I understand for that. And if you're listening to this and you're part of a minority group, I really, really encourage you to go put your name in the database. I mean, I encourage everybody. But what I did learn and totally bums me out is that a white person can go, can need this um, stem cell or bone marrow match. And if they go in the registry, there's a 99% chance that they will find a donor, which is awesome. But because fewer minority groups are on the registry, minority groups have a 66% chance of a match because of just the the volume, right? Like there's just fewer people. Um, so if you're listening to this and you have any type of ethnic minority group, I would really encourage you to go do so. The match is an ethnic match. So 
um, because it's in your DNA code, it would make sense that a white person donates to a white person and a black person donates to a black person because it's part of our genetic makeup. Um, and if you have multiple ethnic um, DNA, I don't know how to say that, but I definitely go put your name in the registry because there are fewer people um, out there for that type of that type of group. So anyway, I think it was really cool. It was really interesting and fascinating. Um, I missed my kids first day of school and they know all about what I'm doing, about what I did. And they're super proud of me. I had, um, I was really excited to, to be able to have that example for them. It was, you know, a little bit of mom guilt maybe, but, um, my husband's a rock star and he handled it all beautifully. Um, and it was just great. So, that's my show for today. I hope I answered all your questions. If you have any um, or you want to share an experience that you had with Be The Match or a loved one who's who's found a match, I, I want to hear it. It fills my cup completely. Um, so many people have reached out on social media to tell me, and I would love it if, um, if you did the same. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new around here, please be sure to leave us a review on any podcast platform you're listening to. And you can always reach out to me to let me know what topics you're interested in hearing about or maybe telling me someone you think would be great for the show. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at EfficiencyBee. Until next time, see ya!